I don't, excuse a moment's flippancy, but this is, this is how we will be doing communion this week. Um, it looks like there's two layers to peel off. Um, peel off the top layer and we get to the bread. Peel off the second layer and we get to the wine. And we will work that out. But um, the flippancy comes in, I saw it's called the miracle meal. And it feels like it would be a miracle if we managed not to spill anything <laughs> on the floor. <coughs> but the, the Lord's Supper is always symbolic. I mean, we're not using um, whatever wine that Jesus used. We're not using, um, it would be, the bread as made then. We're not just a few sitting with Jesus around the table. And when, the, when you read the New Testament, the part I will read out later, it, it talks about some of you getting drunk at the Lord's Supper. You know, and some of you are eating while others turn up and get hungry. The Corinthians were getting a lot wrong. It's brilliant that the early church got so much wrong. Otherwise, we wouldn't have the New Testament to show us a better way. And so, you know, when we think, oh, it'd be great to get back. Oh, if only we could be like the New Testament church. It's not a good thing to be like the New Testament church in many ways. So many of them got so much wrong. But it does show that there's more to the Lord's Supper than and there will be, than, than simply this part. Because it is going to continue. Um, some of us have to leave um, to go to a different meal that they was booked up months ago. Um, that will be, if they take the Lord with them, a Lord's Supper. If that's what they want. We will, those, some of us will be going out that way and having a picnic and to me, I, want, I feel that this picnic should be part of the service, a continuation of the Lord's Supper. This is the, the sort of symbolic part where we will say the words and think, remember. But that part will be the agape meal part, the love feast in some parts, where the church will gather together as a meal to remember the Lord so we will have a symbolic element and a less symbolic element combining the things together. And I've got two readings, one fairly long one and one very short one. The long one is Isaiah 43. And I decided to go back to the beginning of the chapter. Um, having listened and in my mind worshipped with the songs that we've sung and the storms and things that we go through Isaiah 43 but now this is what the Lord says he who created you O Jacob he who formed you O Israel fear not for I have redeemed you I have summoned you by name you are mine when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, 
the Holy One of Israel, your Saviour. I give Egypt for your ransom, Cush and Sheba in your stead. Since you are precious and honoured in my sight, and because I love you, I will give men in exchange for you and people in exchange for your life. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bring your children from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. We are part of the fulfillment of that prophecy. And he goes on. Lead out those who have eyes but are blind, who have ears but are deaf. All the nations gather together and the peoples assemble Which of them foretold this and proclaimed to us the former things? Let them bring in their witnesses to prove they were right so that others may hear and say it's true. But you are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me no God was formed nor will there be one after me. I, even I, am the Lord and apart from me there is no saviour. I have revealed and saved and proclaimed. I I am not some foreign God among you. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, that I am God. Yes, and from ancient days I am he. No one can deliver you out of my hand when I act. Who can reverse it? This is what the Lord says. Your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, For your sake I will send to Babylon and bring down as fugitives all the Babylonians in the ships in which they took pride. I, the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's Creator, your King. And this is what the Lord says, He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, and drew out the chariots and horses, the army and the reinforcements together, And they lay there, never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wig. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honour me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the desert and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. We are the people that God has formed for himself, that we may proclaim his praise. And he provides streams. Even in the wasteland of this last year, he has been providing streams of blessing in so many ways to us. And that's why I chose this reading, or one of the reasons Because a while ago the Lord gave part of this reading to us as the whole of us as Billericay Baptist Church. He gave the part that says, see, I am doing a new thing. That's what he promised to the church. And so we've looked at it and all sorts of things. We prayed and wondered what it might mean so we could be ready for it. And uh, well, a little while ago, part of it appeared 
the organisational structure of the change from <clears throat> whatever it was, and I can't remember, um, to become, I think it was called, or is called a CIO, and I can't remember what that means either. But any, what it does mean is that we now have trustees, the ministerial team, deacons and elders. And the trustees concentrate on the financial and practical issues of being a church with buildings and a ministry team. And this frees the ministry team to devote themselves to pastoral and spiritual matters. And then the elders concentrate on promoting the various ministry streams within the church, such as I've got worship, discipleship, fellowship, evangelism and another one. The deacons looked after the practical side of being a witnessing fellowship of believers. And this was to enable the whole church to use its gifts as members more effectively. And as I put it, to focus on the mission of the church, which is to know Christ and to make him known. And <clears throat> to some of us sitting at the front or in the congregation, that may not have seemed to have made a big difference. But to those involved in those ministries, it has made a big difference. And that was one of the new things. And then another new thing was uh, that Tom sort of shared with us as a church at probably the, the last or one of the last church meetings that we had before all the lockdown when we were actually there, that the Lord was telling us he wants us to be witnesses to our own Jerusalem. You shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And our Jerusalem, it's our fringe. The parents of the children who come to the brigades, those who come to the toddlers group, the sunny days and so on. And when praying about what the Lord might be meaning for the whole fellowship by this word, the elders and the leaders came to feel that they should look about how this applied to us here in the school and how that apparently how that fitted what they've been thinking praying about for the last 10 years I read in the most recent thing um, minutes of the church meeting which we weren't able to get to um, which is about as long as we've been here and we're this congregation I know from, the, I only know, we only know for the past 10 years, some of you know from the beginning. It's been reaching out to the people of the area with the gospel, and it's been doing it in a committed and, and imaginative ways. I mean, I for one, I'd never prayer walked before. And we did, we've done that. Um, delivering invitations to some of our services by hand was a new thing to me. Actually, uh, and knock it in the, you know, what we call the family services, the neighbourhoods. So we knocked on the doors. We didn't just push things through the letterbox. We knocked on doors and invited people, made it personal. Um, having a carol service in sheltered accommodation was more familiar, um, as we did uh, just down the road. I forgot the name of it now. That was wonderful. We, we have reached out. And now we're looking forward to reaching out and being with the people at Sunnymead in a joint venture to reach out to people of what? 
We're trying to think of a name for. We might call it Billericay South. Billericay Baptist Church South, or, or, or we don't know. But we want particularly to reach to the people who aren't Christians yet, but who come to things in the building. We might say the Sunnymead Fringe. And we pray, I'm praying anyway, that that won't mean we never do anything here. Here is where, you know, we, we have had the quiz nights and so on. And a meal to invite people to. And it was a bit of a shock at first. Um, we've had a year either to think about it or not to think about it. But the thing is that the Lord has promised to go ahead of us into this new thing. As I said, it's a bit scary, but he did say he would make streams flow in the desert. He has gone ahead to prepare us for it and to prepare it for us. We don't really know what it will mean. We don't really know what the opportunities are. We can see some things and it's, it's, you know, it's a bit not exactly worrying. Um, but we don't know. You know, uncertainty is always a bit anxious. There's nothing wrong with that in a way, as long as you bring it to the Lord. If you read the, you know, Paul's letter to the Philippians, he talks about when Epaphroditus was ill and he was worried, sick. He thought Epaphroditus was going to die. He makes no bones about it. And he didn't die. He was okay. He saved me sorrow upon sorrow. He brought that to the Lord and the Lord was able to give him a peace. And so then he shares with us later on in the letter, cast all your... No, that's, that's with 1 Peter. You know, <laughs> bring all your cares to the Lord. And that's what we need to do about this. And that brings me to my second reading which is a very short one. It's one verse. It's uh, Mark 9, verse 23. And it's, If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for him who believes. That's it. And everything is possible for him who believes. And coincidentally, I happened to be looking at this, meditating on this verse yesterday or last night in the night. And I was remembering a translation, paraphrase, that somebody once put, which was... When it says everything is possible for him who believes, or the man of faith, that Jesus was talking about himself. He was the man of faith. He was the one who believed, unlike these other people who didn't. And I like that because it was a bit of a get-out clause, you see. It's Jesus for whom all things are possible. And I, I, I don't, you know, it doesn't question my faith and how much I believe. But that paraphrase brought to my mind another paraphrase, a paraphrase of the paraphrase, which was putting it in, you know, like sometimes, we, you know, you know the phrase, trust me, I'm a doctor. Trust me, I'm a brain surgeon. Trust me, I'm a whatever. And Jesus is saying, 
Trust me, I can do anything. That's putting it in a flippant sort of way, but that's what he was saying. Trust me, I can do anything. Or slightly differently, trust me and I can do anything. If you trust me, I can do anything. Oh, it brings it back to me again, me having to trust Jesus. And that's what we're having to do. But if we do trust him, he can do anything. He will do anything. He will make this whole new venture an enormous blessing, beyond what we can imagine. The man had brought his son to Jesus. It has often thrown him, this demon, into the fire and water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And that's when Jesus said, if you can. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me to overcome my unbelief. Or we'd say, I do trust you, Lord. Help us to trust you more for this. And Jesus does help the man to trust him more. He heals his son right in front of him. Permanently. The man's expectations have been dashed when the disciples could do nothing. Where was God in this? These were, Je- well, you know, these were Jesus' disciples. They'd been doing all these things. He, brought, he had faith. He brought his son to him. He was expecting certain things and they didn't happen. And where was God in that? I don't know. He didn't know. So he came to Jesus. If you can do anything. If I can do anything, said Jesus. Let's come to Jesus, not, you know, yes, Lord, let's know that you can do anything. He wants us to have that faith in him. And in the reading, when earlier one from Isaiah, the part that we have where it says... Behold, I'm doing a new thing. He says, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. However, just before that, just before that, he's gone on to say, this is what the Lord says, he who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and the reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. He says, look back, The one who's telling you this is the one who rescued you from Egypt. You were up against it. There was nothing that could be done. You were in, what do they say, between a rock and a hard place? They were between the Egyptian army with an angry pharaoh at their head and the Red Sea on the other side. (laughs) And God says, you won't have to do a thing just stand and believe. And tells Moses to raise his staff and the sea parts. And they all get through. It's an enormous number of them. And they all get through. And then the water comes back. And the army that was against them is defeated. Ex- they expected to die. They were saying to Moses, oh no, as they did often, you brought us into the desert to die. We may not be thinking that bad. 
but we may be worried, you know. But God says, yes, look back. See what I have done for you. And don't live there, though. Look back and see it and take that with you into what I am going to be doing. Trust me. Look back at the past so that you can trust me for the future. And that's what this is about. That's what the Lord's Supper is about. Look back to the cross. Do this in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this wine, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Look back so that you can look forward in trust. And that's what the Lord wants us to do. And that's why I wanted our picnic to be, in effect, part of the service. Where we can share together things that the Lord has done for us. It may be appropriate. Give you an excuse to take your mask off for a short while. If you would like to come here now and share something that the Lord has done for you in South Green so that you can help others to have faith in what he's going to do for us in the future. There will be other opportunities. Two more services here. We do want people to share what the Lord has done for us as a way of encouraging each other, as a way of giving glory to the God that we're not just finishing here. It's not just a closing of South Green. It's a moving on into something new, not something we planned, not something we'd expected, but we trust God for it. We're not between the army and the Red Sea. We're where God wants us to be and we will follow him where he's going to take us. And so we want to come to the Lord's Supper and remember that, you know, we look back. We can look back every day, but this, oh yes, so symbolically. But we look back on what the Lord has done for us to make us a body. Yeah, because there is one loaf, it says. <clears throat> but we know we're still one body. We've been brought together to belong to each other and to bless each other. That won't ever stop. Ever. That will continue until glory. But Joan is going to come and help us to think upon the sacrifice that he made. And then we're going to share in this very symbolic meal together, pray, 